What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Culture FC, the weekly soccer show that's not really about soccer. We cover lifestyle, fashion, music, politics, all the things surrounding the beautiful game, just none of the results happening on the field. My name is Louie, and I'm joined here by my two amazing co-hosts, Alan and Brendan. Yo, yo. What up, RL? And this week was very interesting. We got to talking about the MLS playoffs. We talked about how they're structured, why they are structured the way they are, kind of our thoughts on how they should change it, what's going to happen going forward. But before that, we also talked about several different important news topics that have happened in the last week of soccer. And that was really great to talk about as well. Um, as always, if you enjoy this podcast, if you could leave us a five-star review on your preferred podcasting app, as you can find us pretty much everywhere, um, if you could leave us a five-star review, it would mean the world to us, as it means that we are doing well and that people, more people can find us based on your review. So go out there, do your job, help us out. We would love it. If you can't get enough of us, you can follow uh, the Culture FC Instagram at culturef.c on Instagram. We usually post behind the scenes stuff every week we talk we, we like to ask for our audience's opinion on certain topics we even share their opinion on this podcast we try to do it every episode not every episode does it happen but we've been trying um <laughs> and you can follow us there you can also follow our main instagram at trouble soccer we post a lot of soccer fun stuff there as well so go check us out there I believe that covers all of our bases and i'll be done asking you guys to do things for us so Sit back, relax, and enjoy this awesome episode. All right, guys, let's start off the um, noteworthy news topics for the week. Mine is going to start off a little gloomy, um, but this is just following up on the whole helicopter incident with um, Lester's owner. Um, this past weekend, Leicester played their um, played their game against Cardiff City. Um, in the game, Damari Gray scored a goal, it was a nice, pretty nice goal um, that put Leicester one up. In his celebration, rips his shirt off, has a um, kind of an Under Armour shirt underneath it that said um, for uh, Vikai, and it was kind of paying tribute to him, obviously. Um, and and the kind of the storyline here was that he actually got booked for this. He got a yellow card. Um, you could kind of see it in the referee's face as soon as he took his shirt off that it was one of those like grimacing faces where he was like, shoot, I'm going to have to book this guy. Um, and people on the internet are, are kind of reacting to it and saying that the referee shouldn't have given the yellow card. Um, I, I don't know how I totally feel about it yet. I, I, I understand why he had to do it, but just wanted to get your guys because quick opinion on if the referee should have done anything about it, if, if, if it really even matters. Um, you know, I think although it's such like a heartbreaking event just in like the foundational rules of soccer and like what most situations like how that result ends is in yeah. the card like excessive celebrating so I think although it was like a really cool tribute like I think you almost have to expect getting a yeah. yellow card yeah, in that yeah. situation yeah i agree i mean as heartfelt as it was and as amazing as it was to see and like especially because it was their first game after the incident it was really great i mean it it, it is the rule of the game you know what i mean it, it's regardless of kind of what's happening off the field we um regardless of what happened what's happening off of the field it's always important to remember that they you know there are rules and stuff and they gotta have to kind of follow it even though like i may not feel right about it like you know what i mean like if i was the ref i'd be i'd probably be the same guy being like shit do i really have to give this card and 
unfortunately, you know, you kind of do. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, that have been complaining about it aren't really looking at it from the referee's perspective. Like, he still has a job to, to, to do, and he obviously doesn't make the calls on when these cards get enforced. And if you start drawing lines on when, if there is a special meaning behind it every time, and usually when, when a, a player rips a jersey off and has something written underneath it, it's usually for a special meaning. So if they started taking um, exceptions and kind of doing that for differently just because of the situation, um, start the lines start getting blurred a little bit. So although it was unfortunate, uh, you really kind of have to expect it. Right. I got uh, two two pieces of news today. One quick one. Uh, just going back to our man Usain Bolt. Uh, recently terminated his contract with the Coastal Central Coastal Mariners uh, due to the fact that they were only going to offer about $150,000 for um, a season, but his agent valued him at $3 million. <laughs> what? So they couldn't find someone who wanted to back that, which is totally understanding. Ooh. But Usain Bolt is not done. He said that admittingly, he said, soccer's tough. And I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> oh, tough, dude. Uh, like uh. it's a little harder than he expected. Um, he said, for me, I've learned that I still have it. I figure I was improving a lot. So as you can see from the first game to the last game, I really improved and did better. So he wants to keep on training. And, uh, you know, I don't think we've seen the last of Mr. Bolt. Well, what, a, what a ridiculous guy to, <laughs> to value. Oh, okay, listen. It's not ridiculous that you value yourself at $3 million, but it is ridiculous when your first professional season as a footballer came within the last few months, and now you're all of a sudden... Va- you scored one goal, you saying, Bolt. <laughs> like, what the hell do you think you are? Just because you're a fast runner doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden worth $3 million. And especially for a club where I'm sure $3 million is, is a decent chunk of cash, um, I don't think he's been the most amazing signing for them, right? So... Uh, Although I appreciate your your <laughs> estimation of yourself, Usain Bolt, it's a little a little ridiculous. I'm just still baffled at the fact that he said that soccer is a little tough. Like, <laughs> oh, you mean that running that? Oh, you think that running in a straight line is much easier than playing on a soccer field? Yeah, I'm sorry, bro. Like, yeah, it is tougher. Like, it's crazy. Well, I, I hope he still keeps playing soccer because at least it's entertaining for us to keep yeah. paying attention to his story. So, hundred percent, super duper fun to hear about Usain Bolt. <laughs> and then uh, number two. Recently, uh, some a newspaper in Germany kind of released these documents that there was already a, this in the mix, but there's now come to light that a European Super League is to be founded in 2021, consisting of 11 founders, uh, pretty much all the top clubs from yep. around Europe, and um, a rotating group of five other teams, but they want to kind of almost part ways with the Champions League, mm-hmm. in a sense, and uh, create a new a new league and those founding 11 members are going to be ineligible for relegation well relegation for 20 years whoa so once they're in they're in and some coaches have been out and saying it's kind of lame like uh, i know liverpool's coach jürgen klopp my man said that fewer games more money sounds like a good idea for the club like for like the people who want to make money so i just wanted to get your guys thoughts on that uh no resounding no we'll just start there i <laughs> think that the champions league is the greatest so- like it's the greatest sporting competition that happens every single year and you're gonna basically try to create a an elitist club where only 16 teams participate in and it's not organic and it's not like you know what i mean the champions league comes from you take the best players of each league around the around europe and you play in a tournament but now if you have a very you know 
if you have this team or you have this league that's only 16 teams and it's the same 16 teams every single year who's going to want to watch that what happens when man united start to suck or what happens when bayern goes down the tube and all of a sudden they they're they're not having a very good team and then they have to play in this league where you know what i mean like it's almost as if they'd be getting rewarded for sucking which yeah I, i'm not a, i'm not a fan at all louis i respect it as a united fan for you thinking that we'd a be in it right now given <laughs> our current run of form and that we we wouldn't be um getting relegated but i will ask is this like a league league or is it like a cha- is it still gonna be champions league format like when they say relegation what do they mean by that no i'm assuming that they, they were gonna create a top level european league so instead of having a champions league which is a tournament style i think the idea it's would be to be turn it into league. a league with okay. a double round robin points based okay. system oh, okay cool um yeah the the idea to me it doesn't I kind of see where they're coming from and wanting to make this super elite club, but A, when there is no relegation for 20 years, it just kind of loses that interest. Um, B, uh, some of the most amazing scenes in football are kind of the ones where the smaller clubs get those amazing performances against the bigger clubs. So if you remove that and make it just this kind of elitist club where it's just all the big teams, all the big games... um, there is sex appeal to those games, but you also lose a lot of that kind of Champions League, right? We'd never get the Porto that wins the Champions League. We never get these smaller clubs that make these historic runs. So we, we lose a lot of what what that the, they, those Europe, big European nights would mean. It's like you lose um, the heart. Yeah, you lose a little bit of it. It just becomes like... It just doesn't become that amazing. It starts to become more about the money rather than the... Right. the, the, the and we talk like literally, it, we beat this, this horse dead every single week, <laughs> but soccer is more than just about the sports more than just about the money it's more than about than just who wins it's about people's lifestyles it's what they feel in connection to their clubs and it's about the love that you have for your club for the sport whatever it may be it transcends you know just the money in the sports side this to me is more of a play at oh let's just become richer let's just be let's just be this elitist elitist club and uh, like literally get rid of everybody else below us and we'll just make all the money yeah you know what i mean and i don't like that like that like you said it gets rid of the the heart of it in my opinion so not a fan yeah i wholeheartedly agree i think like having those teams that you may not always see in these tournaments like almost make a run for it makes like the champions league and all these other tournaments kind of that much more exciting to watch so taking that out of it i mean yeah i'm sure the tv like ratings would probably be good just because like we have like the United States is, a, I believe, is one of those big, like, oh, big, big teams playing in big games. Like, we're gonna watch that. So yeah, yeah but I think it's just a financial grab, and, and it definitely takes away the heart and soul of what the game's about. So what happens then with the Champions League? It just becomes the Europa League, and the Europa League becomes basically the third division. Or what? Like, is there no rumors? So about what rumors say that UEFA is not involved at all. They want to get, oh. yeah, they want to get out so of. So this isn't, this isn't a UEFA. Thing? No, oh. this is this is those club found like the clubs themselves trying to get oh into it. So gosh. UEFA isn't involved. That's what at least the rumors are saying. Yeah, well, it sounds yeah. similar to what they did with the Premier League. All those teams in in, I mean, eventually the Premier League ended up being part of of like the English FA or whatever. But the Premier League came about when a bunch of teams in the in the old First Division were like, "Nah, we want more money and want to negotiate our own TV deals," and they created the Premier League, and then they kind of went back and re- reincorporated that, but. Yeah, I mean it's weird, and that, those are the questions, right? What happens to the Champions League? Mm-hmm. What ha- like what becomes of the Europa League? These are questions that are all supposed to be answered, but we got to remember this came from a leaked email, so this True. hasn't been necessarily confirmed. We don't really have in, like all the all of the details quite yet, uh, but what has come out just sounds like the world's worst idea. Yeah, but yeah, moving along to our third slash fourth fourth, fourth. bit of news for this week. 
it, it is a big one, friends. So this past week, we have found out that the final of the Copa Libertadores will be played between Boca Juniors and River Plate. Now, for those of you guys who don't understand that sentence that I just said, let me break it down. The Copa Libertadores is the South American equivalent of the Champions League, and it's uh, considered by many to be the second best and biggest competition in world football. Um, it is the second most prestigious prize a club uh, clubs can win um, because it ranks just below the Champions League. And Boca Juniors and River Plate are both teams from Buenos Aires, Argentina, and they are considered by a lot of people around the world to be the biggest rivalry on the planet. Yes, bigger than El Clasico. Yes, bigger than any Clasico derby you can imagine. They say that Boca River is, is bigger than all of them. Um, if you want proof of that, YouTube what happens at Boca River games or just YouTube what happens at those games individually and you'll see how insane all of those fans are. It's just astounding. These teams have never played each other in a final and it is the first all Argentine final in Copa Libertadores history. Um, and they're also really, their stadiums are not separated by much. They're not that far away from one another. Um, and this is just absolute scenes, man. Like just, just imagining what's going to happen between uh, these two teams is crazy. And it's also the last year that the Copa Libertadores final will be played over two legs, with each leg being at the home stadium of one team. And as of next year, they're going to switch it to like one single final. But it's like almost like the perfect ending to this era of the Liber Copa Libertadores. But what do you guys think about it? Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, we've touched upon the Boca and how like the, it is the craziest rivalry in the world. This game is, if you watch football... You have to watch this game, I think. It's like the matchup of the century in terms of importance and what this is going to mean for the rest of both of these clubs' histories. It's going to be something that you like tout over another team it doesn't matter if you're the, the following year your team sweeps in those games like if Boca were to to win this and, and then the next year River wins the both the league games and any other games they play together it will not matter it, because you have just won a, a, a final of a Libertadores which South Americans consider to be the most difficult tournament regardless of Champions League or not considered to be the most difficult tournament uh, one of the most hotly contested tournaments in the world um to, to win this, whoever wins this, it, it's like the crowning achievement of of, of um, their club's career. I have no question about it. Yeah, I had no idea <laughs> how, how hotly contested their rivalry was, nor did I know how intense the tournament was itself. So after hearing that, <laughs> it, it makes me want to watch it that much more. But it's almost like, based on what you're saying... It's like some like once in a lifetime chance and to just imagine to be one of those players being able to play both stadiums too it's going to be absolute madness. And uh, what Alan's saying is super true like if w no matter which club wins it will not matter anything that happens between these clubs after like it will be forever like bragging rights like you want eternal bragging rights over your club like the yeah, it's it, not going to be. It's not like a one-year bragging right thing. No. It's like for the rest. Like you could die and still be claiming this from your deathbed, and it will still burn in your opposition's wow. like minds. Like the, this, it, I, it might be the biggest game, honestly, in terms of importance for like a city and and fan bases that I can think of off the top of my head for sure. And it's like, I'm Brazilian. Yes, I'm sad that the the that there is no Brazilian teams in the final this year but at the same time if you're going to give me any other matchup this is the one that I want to be paying attention to um I, I'm trying to like put it into perspective of, of some of our listeners like I know that if you're South American or, or of any 
a, a kind of like Latin origin, you understand the importance of this game. But uh, for everyone else, I'm trying to think like this would kind of be like if Manchester United were playing Liverpool in the Champions League final, but the Champions League final was held over two legs, one at Old Trafford, one at Anfield, turned up to like 70,000. Yeah, if the fans were... Um a hundred times more violent, a hundred times more passionate, and that's not, and that goes like because these both of these fan bases um, for United and Liverpool are passionate, but like it, you have no idea if you have to you have to watch the YouTube videos because they've had games canceled because of violence. I mean, people have died in these games. It's not one of those like games where you're ex- over exaggerating when you say like Buenos Aires is going to have to be on lockdown. Oh like, yeah, it's going to be a fucking war zone. Ir- like irrespective of anything else like and if a team blows another one out it might just be it might be the it might be the end like the only way that one of these clubs is ever going to be able to make up for this loss will be if there's another final yeah. of the Libertadores where they play each other yeah. which is already going to be almost impossible yeah. because usually Comeball doesn't allow these teams on separate sides of the bracket because like this is the thing that the actual organizing body of South American soccer has not allowed to happen yeah, yeah, yeah. in over 60 years because they know that it's so nuts so why they think now is a good time, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But they usually never allowed have allowed these two clubs on the same side of the bracket for this specific reason. But it's just amazing that it has worked out this way. And I'm pumped, dude. Like, it, this is literally one of the most important games to have happened over the last, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, yeah, 50, 100%. 60 years. Like, I don't wow. know how to even quantify this game. But Who do you guys have? I... Honestly, I, I, I can give you an opinion, but I haven't really watched too much of the teams overall. I actually watched both of the games this past week, mm-hmm. um, the second leg of both games. And I thought that Gremio should have actually beaten River Plate. It was a little unfortunate that River had to had to rely on a penalty in the last couple of minutes to win. So, I don't know, Boca looks scarier. And I don't know, I'd probably go Boca. But Yeah, I've always been a Boca guy, um, even though they've beaten my Brazilian team a few times in Libertadores. Um I've always been a Boca guy just in terms of what they stand for uh, culturally in the city of Buenos Aires. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with them. Also, they've just had a lot of players that I've liked the Tevez, Raquel Mays, a bunch of guys that um, I over the years have enjoyed watching play. So um, also I, I'm going Boca. Also their kits are fly as fuck. Yeah. Their <laughs> kits are fly. Like they probably and, have and their stadium that, that, that to me, I think I've mentioned on this podcast is like a stadium that I want to go to. It's like on my bucket list of places to go to because the scariest place to go to, I think, as as an uh, opposition team, um, opposition fan. Like, I don't even know if they let away fans go there, but it's 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 amazing. I'm actually curious to see what's going to happen with away fans during these two legs. Like, I wonder if they're going to bar away fans from going to the team stadiums because, like, think about it. They're both in Buenos Aires. They're I think they're only separated by a couple kilometers yeah. apart from one another, and it's like. I would almost probably just ban away fans. Yeah. I mean, and for people that are thinking like, how can they do that? This happens in South America a lot. Like this isn't a thing that, um, it's not like American sports or even in Europe where, um, away fans get a little section of a thousand something people to come. Uh, in some, some of these, I mean, big rivalry games, the stadium is closed to outside, outside fan bases that aren't the home support. Like that's a very common thing to happen. And I almost think that that should happen here in this situation because it, it doesn't, um, especially the game being played in two legs. It doesn't really make sense to have those people in close quarters. Too many people are going to die <laughs> if they don't ban away yeah. fans. I know that sounds bad, but I mean, and to your point though, La Bomonera is, is 
one of the like these like cathedrals of football yeah, yeah, like yeah. around the world where you look at it and go like this is a gem of a stadium la bomonera a lot of bad shit happens there <laughs> yeah, but all the time. it is still an incredible venue like there it's like a completely vertical building like it seems as if the fans are going to fall on top yeah, of yeah. the players based on how they designed it it's it's incredible to just like see the scenes at la bomonera it's it's crazy and it's weird to have two Brazilians gushing about Argentine <laughs> yeah. soccer. Like, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. honestly, oh, wow. I, it's just like you got to just sit back and appreciate it at some points because it is incredible. Yeah, and and for anyone that wants to get kind of the vibes for this, definitely go on YouTube, Google this, Google Boca Juniors uh, River Rivalry. You'll, there are so many good um, pieces out there done by Copa Ninety and a bunch of other soccer um, YouTube channels out there. So it's definitely worth a watch. Definitely getting involved in and um, tune in for that game for sure. But all right, guys, let's moving along to our main topic of this week. And we are going to be talking a little bit about the MLS playoffs. Uh, the MLS playoffs are officially underway as of last week, and we are actually through the first round of the knockout stages here and going into the two-legged part of the playoffs today, actually, in the afternoon. Um, but basically, we wanted to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about the MLS playoffs as a whole, how they're played, why they're played the way they are, and kind of give you guys a little bit of background on, on into all of this. So the reason why we find this very interesting is that the MLS is one of, I, I'm pretty sure now it's one of the only kind of top uh, leagues in the world that decide their national championship based on a tournament style playoff, right? Um, you know, we a lot of people talk about how it's the only league in the world that does it, uh, but in reality, the Brazilian top flight or the Brasileirão or however you want to consider it, the Brazilian uh, national champion, up until 2003 was actually decided based on a playoff system relatively similar to the MLS playoffs. The only difference was it was structured more to like the World Cup than it, it was structured kind of like a, a traditional American, North American sports league. Right. Um, so to kind of make a little bit more sense about this, the MLS is structured very similarly to every other uh, American sports league. you have a regular season uh, for a portion of the year. And then the playoffs kind of encompass just the end of the season. And the MLS is actually split into two conferences, East and West. Uh, and they kind of divide the, the t which teams go in which conference ge uh, based on geography, of course, because um, I don't know if you guys know this. The United States is a very big country and travel <laughs> is not exactly always easy. Each team plays 34 games in an unbalanced schedule. Uh, for 2018, there were 23 teams. So each team played 23 games against, team in its own against teams in its own conference and 11 games against teams from the opposing conference, which kind of limits travel, makes it easier for, for each club. And so uh, with the regular season, Basically, it is similar to the rest of the world where a one win equals three points, a draw one point, a loss zero points. And they use this table to only determine seeding for the playoffs. Uh, in other words, it's to kind of rank each team and then base them and then base the matchups on these ranks. And since 2015, the top six teams per conference qualify for the playoffs for a total of 12 teams. The first round of each conference involves the number three seed hosting the number six seed and the number four seed hosting the number five seed. And so on. If you've seen American sports, you kind of get that uh, idea. Um, but basically, I know that was kind of a long-winded explanation there, but it's just to kind of show what the structure of the MLS is like and that it's actually not that unique. A lot of people talk about how it's ridiculous that the MLS is, a, is, a, is trying to be one of the best leagues in the world but still has this uh, playoff system to determine their, their champion. Um, but like I said, it's not totally unique and Brazil has actually done something very similar, um, for a while. 
Um, but basically, to start off, I kind of wanted to get you guys very general, basic opinion on: do, Are you in favor of the playoffs plus regular season structure that the MLS has in place? Yeah. Um, so I used to be very, very much against it um, a few years ago when I, I mean, I wasn't really that involved or that interested in the MLS, um, and I really just didn't understand why they did it. Nowadays, I, my opinion on it is pretty different. I think it's you can't compare. Um, the MLS structure to um, say any European structure just be because of how big the U.S. is. Um, it starts to become really taxing on players and clubs. Um, if say LA had to play a game um, every other weekend here in the East Coast, it wouldn't be um, that feasible. It wouldn't be that great for players. But it's also just like like a scheduling nightmare for a team. Um, so I used to be against it. Now nowadays, I, I I'm in favor for it. I, I really have uh, no real big issues with it. Yeah, I I think I like the idea of it. I think that having, I mean, just the way like the teams line up and play against each other, I don't agree with the fact that some like the top two seeds get that bye into the into the knockout round or the 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 two legged rounds. Um, but it definitely gives the chance for those f- three, four, five, six teams to kind of get in and kind of be that underdog team. So overall, I think it'd be, it's a nice structure, but I just wish there wasn't any buys. I think all six teams should just play two stage, two, two legged rounds and then go on from there. And I think that hits on what a lot of people complain about the playoffs and say that, I mean, I personally don't always believe that the MLS playoffs are fair, especially based on what you just said, right? You, you know, a team gets a bye and they don't have to play for about two weeks. They get a, they get time to plan and get rest and all of this, whereas the other teams are forced to basically, to give you an idea, the teams that played in the, the kind of wild card knockout uh, part, they played on Wednesday or Thursday, and now they all have to play again on Sunday. So their rest is three days versus the teams that get a bye is two weeks, which, yes, I understand they're trying to make it, uh, they're trying to make clubs actually want to get that number one, number two seed in their conference because they're trying to make the the regular season matter. But it doesn't seem fair, you know, especially when like in a season where it's so grueling to play that many games in general, like you're playing about 34 games week in and week out. Like that's already so grueling to have to then speed up at the end and try to like finish strong after a a whole season. It's it's rough. Um, And what I also don't like is that it almost makes like the regular season not matter at all. Like, why are you going to go through 34 weeks of games just to have the last, you know, six weeks matter? And it's like, isn't the point of a season in the champion to be like the team that was consistently the best overall? I don't know. Maybe that's just my theory. But what do you guys think about this? It, it, does it seem like like it matters a regular season? Like, how do you guys feel about that? Um, I wouldn't say that it doesn't matter. I, I think... It matters, right? Like, if you're playing well the whole season, you're going to end up in a good position. Um, if you're not, you're not. I mean, this year we've seen the kind of reversals that have some teams have made, the Seattle Sounders, that uh, turned it around and um, and really fixed their season starting in, the second half of, starting in the second half of the season. But that's not to say that the games didn't matter. Right? It, it, I don't see how they don't matter, if that makes sense. Like, Every every game is still worth the points. Every every game, if you, it's still worth something to fight for. Um, there obviously isn't the the issue of relegation with the MLS, but for those top teams that are trying to fight for playoff spots, fight for um, 
one, two seed, whatever the position, the positioning on the table may be, the, the points matter. Uh, um, yes, it might be a little bit unfair for some teams. Um, if, if the one and two seeds get a buy or anything like that, but you have to think like these teams in the MLS are playing a far significant num- less number of matches than, um, top tier European teams being involved in more competitions overall. And, um, Right, European teams are playing in three top European teams are playing in three tournaments um, in a given season, so they're playing well over the amount of MLS games that uh, um, maybe the top five, four or five MLS teams are. Right, so in terms of like how unfair is it, it might be a little unfair, um, but it's not like it's not uh, an unreal volume of games that are happening for them. Um, so I still think the games the games matter. I mean, if, if Seattle, for example, hadn't won the, the games in the second half of their season, as stupid as this sentence might sound, they wouldn't have been in the playoffs. So games still matter. Points still matter as they would for any other league, I think. I think that I'm a, I, I disagree a little bit with Allen, um, only because like a team could start off super hot and then kind of falter that second half of the season but a team could also start real bad and then you see that second half of the season they progress and they can they make it to that sixth spot i think it allows for teams one that aren't doing well that start to do well give them a little bit more motivation which is nice but the teams who are not doing well and they see that that point where they cannot make the tournament anymore or make that sixth seed you can almost see i mean in my perspective you can just see them just like start to suck and not almost not care. Um, so that kind of creates a little, a little bit of a, a lack of motivation, I think for the, like the bottom tier teams who like notice that they cannot get there anymore. So that I think is a little lame, but again, they're not making the tournament anyway. So why does it really matter? Uh, I, I'm struggling to see the unfairness here that you guys are mentioning. I, I don't know if I'm just not understanding it that much, but like it doesn't matter if a team's had a good start, or a bad start, or had a, a good turnaround in the second half of the season. What matters is the points that they get, right? And, and the MLS, I think, is a little bit unique, is that they're actually re- rewarding the top 12 teams True, that get into the playoffs, right? The 12 teams yes. top to, from six from each conference. Think about the EPL as an example. Top five teams get rewarded with the European top five or six. That get top five, or it's five slash six. Five slash six. Six <coughs> teams get rewarded, right? With a, get to play European cups. But the MLS, I think, in this sense, is you're rewarding twelve teams with the opportunity to, to still win a trophy, right? So I, I get, I, I guess, I understand here uh, the the unfairness in terms of like, oh, but maybe uh, that six seed team um, shouldn't even deserve to be in the running for. Um, for a trophy in that sense. But at, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter for the sport of soccer, right? Like a team can, it is a sport where it's like hot or cold more so than anything else. Like it's not a team, it's not a game where like baseball or NBA where you get to these seven game series. The most we ever see in soccer are these, these two headed games. And if the team gets to end up in a tournament because of in a, in a, in a position to win a competition um even if they were sixth in their in their given respective end and then they end up beating all of the teams above them does that not mean that they deserve it right so i don't know i i, I definitely see what 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 the argument is of in terms of like the sixth place team shouldn't have any right to to win the points but um i think a lot of what you mean a, to, you mean to win the cup to win the cup sorry but i think a, to a, what a lot of kind of pro 
playoff people would say is that okay but if you're number one seed then just don't lose you're, you should just shouldn't lose any of those games right if you're going to be a champion and that you're going to turn the lights on and you're going to play in the big matches you just shouldn't lose those games versus six seed right and so well, i agree with everything you're saying i think that you're making some super valid points um but what the idea behind a lot of the leagues around the world are that the champion should be the team that has been consistently best from day one to the end of the season and that should be your champion of that league because the idea is the season doesn't only matter in the beginning and doesn't only matter in the end. It matters from start to finish. Whereas the MLS, as we've seen, the a vast majority of the regular season genuinely does not matter. To prove my point, the Seattle Sounders, halfway through the regular season, were one of the worst teams in all of the MLS. Today, uh, right before they played their first playoff game this afternoon, they finished second in the West. Which, yes, their team did a phenomenal turnaround and it was a really good job on their team. But for a very big portion of the calendar year, it didn't matter. And like for the fans going to those games, doesn't it kind of suck to realize that like, you know, yes, my team could pick it up in the second half, but at the same time. See, this is, I'm sorry, I don't want to interject, but this is where I don't necessarily agree. Like, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's that the rest of their league also just let them go up there, right? It's like if they lose all the first half of the games and then win the, all the second half of the games, it's the, on the rest of the league to have not let that happen and let them slip up to second, right? A lot of things have to happen in a table for a team that has not really won anything to then end up second. It's yeah. not all on Seattle, yeah. right? That's not to say that <clears throat> half of the games didn't matter. It's to say that the rest of the league let them let, get there. Let them get there. So I don't necessarily think that those games are worthless. Like no team is ever going to be like, yeah, we're not really going to care about this first half of the season because these games are worthless. That's not necessarily, I don't think that's fair to say. But it, they're also like not must wins. Like you can kind of, the teams can kind of take the first several weeks of the season to kind of feel each other out, get into playing different tactics versus the prime where week one matters as much as week 30, 30, you know what I mean? And Yes, I get that towards the end of the, the season, the game starts to matter a little bit more in the Prem because like, it depends on the team and where their placement on the table is. But at the same time, like it, it, you see it in a lot of other American sports, like the NBA, for example. The Celtics, for the first couple, like two weeks of the season, they weren't playing so hot, but they, of course, kind of start to pick it up. And it's almost like that they're trying to feel each other out, trying to see like how best to work out. And yeah, I can see that being a benefit as well because you get time to play in these games that, yeah, they matter. So you get to kind of see how your team can play well but at the same time it's like shouldn't week one matter just as much as like week 15 i think what i i mean what i kind of am trying to understand here is are we trying to put more emphasis on this supporter shield first place versus like so the premier league your first place you win the top of the league like that's it that's the cha- you're the champion yeah. of england so if you're like the top the top team in the mls gets the supporter shield if i'm correct yes. So the team that gets the most points in the regular season gets the supporter shield. So I think if and then but there's more emphasis put on the MLS Cup. Yeah, no one cares about the supporter shield. So like I, I think like I don't think it matters who wins the supporter shield. Like in my opinion, like that's not the champion of the MLS. Like sure, they're the best regular season team, but but great, they still have to go and win the MLS Cup. Yeah. So I think if we were to either to put more emphasis on the supporter shield, but I how think, but how can you if there's still a tournament to be played that will say MLS champion on? That's it? true. The Supporter Shield is not called the MLS Champions Medal or Champions Title. It's called the Supporter Shield versus the MLS Cup is the MLS Cup. So I I get, uh, yeah. So I guess I understand what you're saying is, is like, yeah, the top team is number one for points, but like that doesn't mean shit. 
that means that they still need to go on and beat these teams who may have sucked halfway through the season but are now which of course makes for a a phenomenal storyline and i I agree that it still adds a lot of drama and that you're right al like the fact that like it is on the other teams for allowing a team to get up there and it is on the teams to continue to play well. And I totally agree with that. Um, but now to your point that you had mentioned earlier about how teams in Europe play several different competitions in the U S they actually do play several competitions. There's the, there's the Lamar hunt U S open uh, cup, which is the equivalent of like the FA cup where any team in the U S actually plays can play in the U S open cup. And it's, that's considered like it is a tournament style, right? And so the way that it's structured in Europe is that, you know, you each each country has its league that's usually determined by uh, running point totals for a champion. But then they also have their uh, their country's cup. And so that kind of has their their um, their tournament win and it has the ability to have these tournament runs of these like historic rises in in these cup tournaments. Um, And so does the MLS playoffs kind of put a damper on the meaning of the U S open cup and how, how does the U S open cup play in relation to the MLS playoffs? Does that kind of change your thinking on how the MLS should be run or, or the playoffs should be structured? How, how, how are your feelings on that? I don't know. I don't think right now that any of these external tournaments, and when I say external, I mean just anything that isn't the MLS cup really matters to MLS fans um, or even the teams. Like, and that that's just based off complete feel. Like I, I don't uh, I don't have statistics or anything like this, but I just don't think that teams really care about anything else outside of the MLS Cup. Like, well, I think it's starting to get a lot more popular, and people are starting to care a lot more about it because they're seeing that. Because think about it. For example, this year what happened was Houston Dynamo missed the playoffs completely. They were pretty bad all year, but they still won the U.S. Open Cup. It still gave their supporters something to cheer about. They still won something. Right, and, and those I, are kind of the stories that supporters tell about clubs winning stuff and. You know, sometimes clubs that aren't the best run can still win a cup. You know what I, I mean? No, I, I totally agree. But it, in at, in the same light, it's like when when Houston won that tournament, I had no idea until you brought it up to me the day before. So it's like, how much do they actually like? They they mean something to the fans and, and maybe to but to people throughout the league, I don't think it means all that much. You know what I'm trying Shouldn't to say? Shouldn't it like, mean more though? I agree. It with you. No, I I, no, no I'm not saying. I'm not. Uh, what I'm, I'm saying here is that is reality that it does. It's not. The reality is that it doesn't yeah. mean anything. It's like if if United win the Capital One Cup, it's something that I bring up to my friends to be like, oh, United won a trophy, but I don't give a shit. Yeah, but about if United it. won the FA Cup, it means a little <laughs> bit more. But at the same time, it's still not the Premier League, right? So I think that even for and, and that's these are these are now tournaments that have been established way longer for a very long time, and they still don't hold that super valuable meaning to me, like. I'm not trying to downplay the, the 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 meaning of any of these these cups, um, but that's just, I'm I'm just trying to say like I still think overall the biggest thing that you're you're gonna tout as a fan is if your your team won the MLS Cup for sure now. But how does that compare to like in a hypothetical sense? If the MLS were to go to a uh, just a running points total and that crowning the champion, wouldn't that then make the U.S. Open Cup that much more valuable? Oh yeah yeah. And is that something that should happen, or how do you guys feel about that? Um, I think, honestly, I like the way that the Premier League has the top of the table, and then like the top of the table then goes on and and gets like gets rewarded for the top of the table in terms of like tournaments and stuff like that. So I think 
You mean the Champions League? And yeah. but the, so they like the top the the team who gets first in England wins the Premier League. That is, they are the English champion, but they also then get to play in the Champions League. Yeah. So I think if we put more emphasis on these external cups, maybe to emulate a Champions League or something. Well, they have the the Concacaf yeah. Champions League. So how many teams get? Uh, here's where it gets fun yeah. on how they qualify for the Concacaf Champions League. It's not just straight winners. What they've been doing over the past couple of years is they take an aggregate of the running points total of teams in the MLS over the span of three years, and then three of those teams qualify for the Concacaf Champions League. Very confusing. Yeah, and it's really annoying. And I would much rather it just be like, all right. Top four teams in the seeded part, like, you know, one, two seed in the East, one, two seed in the West, they get to play in the CONCACAF Champions League. I think that would actually put more emphasis on wanting to play better in the MLS regular season because not only do they get a first round by the MLS Cup playoffs, they also get entry into the CONCACAF Champions League. Sorry to interrupt you, B, but continue. No, no, no. That's exactly what I was trying to, to, to say is like, I think if we were to kind of restructure that, like, like how you were just saying, I think it would put more emphasis on winning the top of the table and put more emphasis on these external cups that we know nothing about. We know nothing about no. because it seems like the, the media doesn't care. Yeah. And to Al and to both of you guys' points, the MLS, they, they are hundred percent focused on putting their product front and center and they want that to be the, the main focus of everybody's soccer attention in the United States. Right. So it, it, it it's really not on them to promote the CONCACAF Champions League, and it's not really on them to promote the U.S. Open Cup. But whoever is in charge of these two other tournaments needs to start putting more emphasis. They need to start getting it in front of more people. Yeah. Um, because I think that once people start to care more about those, it will have some uh, some effect on the MLS. But I agree. I think that once uh, external tournaments start to get more focus, it, it will start to have an impact on the MLS, right? Um, but uh, kind of tracking back a little bit and talking about teams that don't make the playoffs... Uh, the reason why the playoffs seem a little frustrating to me, in a sense, is because the teams that from the beginning of the season know they're not going to make the playoffs, they kind of just exist with no repercussions. Their teams just kind of suck the whole year. They don't really do much. They There's nothing for them to really play for aside from just existing. And that's more on the MLS's stance against promotion relegation rather than anything else, really. I'm thinking about like Chicago Fire or the San Jose Earthquakes of this year who pretty much knew from the whole season they were not going to make the playoffs they i'm sure they might have tried for a little while but midway through they're probably like damn we suck and it's like these clubs exist in this kind of realm of not mattering but also not having anything go against them for not mattering and for sucking so it's like a the, weird system this is where i'm getting i'm just like a little perplexed is because like what's the difference between seattle and san jose both sucking at the beginning of the season and not being able to turn around like I'm finding difficulty seeing <laughs> the not point in of the the games not mattering. It, does, does that make sense? Like, what's the difference between San Jose saying, "Oh, we don't suck," versus versus Seattle saying, "Oh, we don't suck," and the, and then being like, "Oh, the rest of the games don't matter." Well, what I'm comparing it to is, let's say you were uh, I don't know, 18th in the Prem. I mean, we keep using the Prem because it's probably yeah, the most accessible yeah, league. Um, let's say you're 18th in the Prem and you're 17th. You're 18th and 17th in the Prem. If 17th in the Prem goes on a second run, second half run, and ends up at you know sixth, that's awesome. But then if you're stuck at 18th and you drop down to 20th and you get relegated, then there's repercussions against you. And that's what I'm trying to talk about is the fact that like San Jose, maybe they they didn't turn around. They sucked. They're the, one of the worst teams in the MLS. So what? Nothing happens. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I think that the playoffs actually kind of but plays that's more, a factor. Yeah, but in that's that. more to your point of view saying it's more that's more a relegation conversation versus a, a playoff. Really. True. That's not that that's not the that's the the playoffs doesn't cause that to happen. Fair because enough. Because the playoffs should be a reward mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So like um 
if there is no if they maybe they just don't want that reward but it's that's not a fault of the playoffs that san jose didn't turn around necessarily you know what i mean that's like, fair yeah i think that's fair um, i can take that i just don't like the idea of saying that these games don't matter because it kind of downplays it downplays the mls mm-hmm. where we've seen that the games matter especially covering the the mls in the weekly show we've been doing um for youtube it's like we we kind of picked it we picked up the show almost like when seattle started their big run and we've seen how every single week it's the games have mattered for them to a point to a point where it was just like holy shit this team is a is a front runner right so i i don't like the idea of saying that the an x amount of games don't matter um because it also that that that's kind of making the Premier League or any of these other European leagues seem a little more important than they are. Because like, look at last year's Premier League, City walked it. You could say that the rest of the games for the rest of the seasons for the for the teams underneath them didn't matter. They could have lost, they could have lost six games and still won last year, right? Towards the end of the season, like they knew they were champions. They had a documentary made on them being champions like two months before the season was even over. So I, I I don't like the idea of saying that oh there's no reward or or there's there's no value in in an X amount of games because it's not necessarily true. I think it's even more so important in 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 the um in the MLS actually because you can still get that sixth spot and run and, and get a chance to win a trophy a big trophy the biggest trophy in the in the US. So I think it's even more valuable um than than in a European league. And, well, to continue with this Prem comparison, uh, people talk about uh, Leicester City's win, and we talked about it last episode. Leicester City's win of the Premier League is considered to be, by a lot of people, one of the greatest sporting stories ever. Right. A team oh, yeah, that yeah. came up from the second division. They, they have the most second division titles ever in England, and they win the Prem. It was this amazing story. Yet, as we've seen in the MLS, a lot of teams that finish in the lower seeds actually have a chance to win, and they create for some incredible Cinderella runs. Cinderella runs. Wow, I can't speak. Um, like Timbers in 2015, they weren't considered to be the favorites, but they won the MLS Cup. So I think it's true. So in my opinion, where, where I was saying that these regular season games don't matter, maybe I was 100% wrong about that. But what the playoffs do is that it, it means that every game in the playoffs is doubly important, right? It's almost like, sure, maybe the games are of less intensity, potentially. Maybe they're not as, maybe they're not unimportant per se, but maybe there's a little bit less intensity in regular season games. Uh, in comparison to playoff games, but the playoff atmosphere, especially as we've seen this past week, Audi Field for DC United was absolutely bumping. They were going nuts. LAFC, the Bank of California Stadium, was going insane. So, you know, they. I, I guess the flip side of my argument is that the playoff games matter so much and they yeah. create for such an intense environment yeah. that it's like, it's almost worth it, yeah. right? Or maybe you guys think, what do you think of that, about that? I, uh, I think... I think that's just the mentality of United States sports. When the playoffs come around, it's just going to be virtually more intense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would definitely like to see, although I don't know, Alan kind of swayed me a little bit. This, <laughs> this whole disagreement has kind of made my brain turn a little. No, and I don't want people to think I actually am way more in favor of the MLS running a, a t- points system. <laughs> I'm not arguing. Um, no, I know. I, I, and like, if they switch the to a point system, I'd be way happier because I actually like that format a little bit more. Um, and why is just, that? I just think that, to your point, it rewards the team that has been consistently better. Um, and when it does, when the leagues are very tight, the thrill of each and every one of those games is much more exciting than a playoff to me. I think, but that's also just the way that I've 
watched soccer. Yeah. League yeah. soccer for the for my whole life. I think I'm just more comfortable watching it that way. Um, but uh, the playoffs do do add an excitement. And it's a unique twist. I mean, it, like we said, yes, maybe there there are other leagues who have done something similar before, but MLS is currently the only league that this is the the way that they determine their champion in the top, you know, leagues in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um so I I like both of I, I like both of of the formats. I'm more of a, a running points total just because of how ex- used to it I am. Um I was more arguing the the fact that I don't I don't like the the that the the, the, the points don't matter or the games don't matter in the early season but i i much more i think i'm on the same boat as you guys of being like running table is a is a much more um uh, exciting exciting but it's a much more um true way of of honoring the best team of your league and i think that's a valid point you make the way we've watched soccer yeah yeah, yeah. not it totally to say changes it. that like whoever watches mls may love the the fact that it's a tournament based at the end or even if you're born in the u.s used to american sports like that's a big yeah. comment that people have on european or any other league around the world is um like even the idea of tying right like the idea of just not not winning a game um it's like they don't necessarily get the fact of the running table and then not having this kind of culmination this final game where it decides the winner so it, it, the perspective and where you come from and the, the culture that you're that you're a part of definitely plays a role in how you enjoy the game like that. Um, I think obviously the MLS gets a little bit of shit just because they're different than the rest of the world for for the way that they are. But given the way that American people are used to watching sports, maybe it's it's the most fitting for getting the eyes that need to get on it, right? So I don't know. No, I think that's all super valid. Um, kind of moving along though. Uh, what happens when the MLS hits 28 teams like they want to? Or what happens when they hit 30 teams like has been rumored, right? Like, So what happens then? Is the playoff still the most fitting way of doing things? Um, I have a personal theory of what I'd love to see. I would rather... I would love it if they did a running points total table. Um, and some people would be like, oh, but that would mean that they'd have to play so like, way too many games. Because currently right now in other, in other European and other around the world leagues... There's usually 20 teams in the top division, each team playing once home and once away against every team for a total of 38 games. You know, so that's not much more than the 34 that they're playing in the regular season now. But you're thinking, wow, if the MLS hits 30, that's almost like, I don't know how to do math, as, as I've, I've always said this. I don't know how many games that'd be, but Five I'm assuming it'd be something like... Wouldn't it be 60? So you have 30 teams each play each other? It would be like 58 or something like that. But that's way too many games. But what I would love to see is if they kept the East and West structure in place. And what they would do is you play every team in your conference once home and away. And then the teams outside of your conference, you play them just once. once. And you alternate every year who's home and who's away. Because that way it's a little fair. And you're only playing... I mean, at most you'd be playing like 40-something games. Which I think is what the championship, which is the second division in England, does. And I think that might be fair. Um, and I would personally love to see the U.S. Open Cup start to get more attention because it's actually the longest running soccer uh, thing in the United States. They've been doing it for over 100 years mm-hmm. continuously. Yeah. And so people talk about how there's no history in U.S. soccer. That's bullshit. They've been playing this for over 100 years and it's just it's been there. So I think that the U.S. Open Cup definitely needs more attention. And I would rather the U.S. Open Cup be the the kind of cup that everyone talks about having these Cinderella runs and this all this amazing stuff. Yeah. Whereas the MLS, it gets decided, hopefully, by the team that has the best points, right? But then again, I think Alan has persuaded me and convinced me that the MLS playoffs are genuinely unique. I take it all back. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to convince you guys. Yeah, I just, um, it's different, right? And and I think 
if it, if if it had been the me from two years ago on this podcast, I would have just been shitting on the playoffs. But I, I I do think that we have to respect the way that the structure of it is. It totally makes sense, and I I actually wonder about this like. Russia, they have running points total, right? Because Russia is a pretty big fucking country. Yeah. Brazil, running points total. So it's not like it's not doable in, in terms of thinking like they have to travel a lot because yeah. Brazil is, is a huge country as well. Brazil is only slightly smaller than right. the U.S. And so yeah. you have teams so, across that country too. Right. So people are people are having to travel a lot in, in Brazil. So it's definitely not something that's undo, uh, not undoable is not the word I'm like, that's not doable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm not trying to convince anyone that playoffs are cool because I still like running points total. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just trying to I was trying to be the devil's advocate a little bit on it. Yeah, but so what do you think about when the team when the league gets to 28 slash 30 teams? <sighs> it's hard because that's a lot of games. It really is. Like even towards the end of uh, again Premier League, it just gets it. Like you you all you obviously don't want it to end, but at the same time, it's like that's a lot of games. Your, your team's really taking a toll. Um, I don't. I wonder. I think your 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 strategy probably works the best in terms of cutting down the number of games. Having anything more than like uh, I don't even know, like forty five games in a season for one league is just crazy. Especially if they're going to play in the U.S. Open oh Cup and gosh, slash Concacaf Champions that's League. That's a, that's a lot. lot of so games. it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, it's not going to happen. Obviously, it's going to stay within conferences, and maybe that. Maybe that's just a sign that the MLS really isn't going to change from their current structure. Uh, it, it's just like them proving it even more of just we're going to keep this current structure and not going to deviate from it all that much. But um, and I think it's hard too because without bringing in the idea of relegation, um, it doesn't really make sense to have one big running league with that many teams in it. Yeah. So if we move to twenty nine thirty teams. We've seen in the past the MLS Cup final started with eight teams, went to 10, and now it's at 12. Um, I think if we keep it at 12 and make more teams, it'll be more of a, a run, more of a contested, like I guess, season in terms of getting to the playoffs. But I worry that the MLS will be like, oh, well, we have 30 teams now. We might as well make a seventh spot, so like make the tournament a little longer. But then that would come into – I mean, the final last year was played in December 9th. Like can't imagine the MLS going further than that. So. No, they definitely won't go further than that. They kind of really what, can't. What is the biggest like league in the world? Do we know? Like what's the biggest – Of the to- like, of the I, amount of teams in a top like flight? I'm yeah. not sure. I know that the championship has 24 teams, I think, or 22 teams. Um, but B, I'd actually be in favor of them expanding it to say 16 total teams if they went up to 30. Yeah. Even though, you know, that's more than half the teams, I still think it would add a lot of that drama that we've seen with the Cinderella runs and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but yeah. And I guess it would give those teams that aren't always the best every season, like, ooh, like if we make it to like the seventh or eighth spot, like that's that's still getting us more viewership and it's, it's still getting our name out there a little bit more. So I guess that would help. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's going to be something that's we're going to have to see, right? Because at the end of the day, they are getting up to that many teams. And so we're going to have to see how they adopt, how they adapt to the playoffs going forward. Because like you said, they can't go further than December 9th, really. They've played, yeah. they've played it December 9th last year and December 10th the year before. And they were in Toronto. Yeah. And that's already wicked cold. Yeah. Now imagine like having to do that like December 15th, December 17th, whatever yeah. it does. Because, you know, adding more teams to the playoffs is going to add more time to that playoffs and also add more regular season games. So it's going to be weird and interesting to see, especially because... Um, I I think only one team is joining the MLS next year in terms of actual play, but by 2020 we're looking at already I think 26 teams, and then I don't know if 
So let's think about it. So you have Cincinnati coming in for sure, Miami coming in for sure, and Nashville coming in for sure. I think the only one who has uh, who has a timetable of joining is uh, Nash or has is FC Cincinnati, and they're joining next year, yeah, one hundred percent. Whereas uh, Nashville, they're saying twenty twenty, and Inter Miami twenty twenty. So you know that's already going to be up to 26 teams. And so they've rumored Austin FC now that the crew is staying in Columbus. So that'll be another one. Um, and so we're kind of getting to that point of like, what is going to change? How is it going to change right. even as early as next year? So it'll be cool to, to see how they adopt it and adapt it. But yeah, I think that kind of covers all of the things that, that I wanted to cover with this episode. Um, it was really just kind of to take a, a deep dive into to how the MLS playoffs work, how we think it should work, et cetera. And just to kind of honor the fact that it's kind of starting in, its, in earnest today. Um, and so I'm excited to see how these games go, especially because playoff games are exciting. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, when you have games like today, you have Portland playing Seattle. Pretty big, probably the biggest rivalry in the MLS yes. uh, amongst fans. So that'll be sick to see it'll be awesome to watch these two teams go at it especially when the game matters so much rather than just mattering three points it's a matter yeah. of like you know it's the american boca river <laughs> <laughs> wow that seems With like a lot less violence yeah. and a lot less pyrotechnicals and a lot less <laughs> and a lot more inclusiveness of fans and, and being yeah, yeah, good yeah. people yeah, yeah. versus you know a lot more equality yeah <laughs> i think that that might be a stretch to call it that but whatever we don't have any other comparisons so i'm okay with it yeah so that about wraps it up for this episode guys if you have made it this far thank you very much for listening if you have made it this far we also ask that you go follow us at culturef.c on instagram it is actually louis birthday so go post a happy belated birthday wish for him on our latest post we'd really appreciate that um as always we appreciate the love appreciate the support subscribe to the podcast